Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts, Danny Curran and John Reggio, who both went to much warmer, more tropical places than I did over spring break, my name is Nick Chickalese, and we're coming to you live here every Wednesday from 7 to 8.30 on WXVU 89.1 The Roar, or wherever and whenever you get your podcasts. And gentlemen, we have plenty of college basketball to discuss today, but uh, we have an, just an absolutely loaded show, because before we can get to any of that, we need to discuss one of the most significant trades in the history of the National Football League, with the Seattle Seahawks moving on from franchise quarterback Russell Wilson, sending him to the Denver Broncos for a just basket of wide return. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick. Uh, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, a uh, player I'm forgetting, and maybe even a pick swap too. But two, the main return, two firsts, two seconds, the fifth, Fant, and Drew Locke. Gentlemen, are the Denver Broncos with Mr. Unlimited now Super Bowl contenders? You know, Super Bowl contenders is a long way to go considering where the Broncos kind of were last year. They were a playoff bubble team, but I don't think anyone thought even if they made the playoffs, they'd be anywhere close to winning the Super Bowl. But now you do have Russ, and he's got his weapons now. He's The, the Broncos had one of the – sneakily had one of the better wide receiving cores in the league last year, and they will be having that next year as well. But, you know, there's always questions about the defense – there's questions about how how Wilson's going to be fitting into his new uh, territory. So now, and and that, that's just to say, that's not to mention that the conference is now one of the harder conferences, also. So uh, it's the this is yeah, now the best division it's, it's in football. Be, oh my god, Derek, Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. I like Derek Carr a lot. He's the worst quarterback in the division. Like that's crazy. Yeah, so it's going to be hard for them to come on top of the division, I think, but they definitely have a chance to get in for a wild card slot. And then mm-hmm. with Russell Wilson, I think you can just run the table. So yep. I'm not going to call him a favorite by any means or even top th- three or four for that matter, but I think they can be a sneaky team come mm-hmm. playoff time. Yeah, I really like this move personally for the Broncos, but I don't think that this makes them Super Bowl contenders just because they are in the toughest division in all of football. You got Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr as the three other quarterbacks in your in your own division. I mean, Danny, that mic's not really working. Sorry to cut you off. So why don't you switch over to mic three? But uh, yeah, I while Danny switches over there, I agree. I think I honestly do think they're Super Bowl contenders. I think the Broncos roster was kind of sneaky good last year. They just got absolutely no production from the quarterback position, but. As John mentioned, I think they're going to have to go on the road and win a bunch of playoff games uh, because the Chiefs are still the best team in that division. Um, and a big a big part of the Broncos' formula for success is just that home field advantage at mile high, and that's it's going to be tough to compete in the playoffs without that. But with that said, um, Russell Wilson, top five guy in the league, adding to a good roster with, as John pointed out, great wide receiver core. You might have Von Miller, who's still a great player and the emotional leader of your defense coming back. He clearly has expressed interest. So I'll say they're a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're in the top flight, but I, the, I would not discount them from winning at all. I think the Broncos have one of the best defenses in the league, and now you just added one of the better quarterbacks. And they already have proven weapons in Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, and uh, Cortland Sutton. I get it. They they had to give away you know some picks and a superstar tight end Noah Fant. I don't really think giving away Drew Locke does anything because he w- clearly has shown that he's not ready to be a franchise quarterback. But I love the trade for Denver. I just don't think it makes them Super Bowl contenders just because 
I think Russell Wilson, I hate to say it, but I think he's, I don't want to say he's declining, but like, he, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. The past couple of years, he hasn't necessarily been himself. He's kind of started off really hot, been this MVP favorite, and then kind of faded, faded, faded away. I mean, this year, I know he was hurt, but past couple of years, I feel like the Seahawks have kind of been underwhelming, and you know, you can't really, I get it, they haven't had a great running game, but they do have one of the better receiving cores in all football in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I I don't think Russell Wilson is at the top five uh, level uh, at the quarterback position, but I do think the Broncos are going to be a, uh, definitely a playoff contender. Uh, I think they can give the Chiefs the run for their money in, in, in that division. I think the Chiefs are, I don't want to say they're, they're cocky and arrogant, but like, you know, you can't just give the division to the Chiefs. Like, we saw how they started out this year, and if there was a team that really wanted to take it from them, they could have. But, you know, the rest of the teams in the AFC West kind of just didn't do it this year. So next year, I like the Broncos, make the playoffs, not a Super Bowl contender, but um, overall I love the move for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard some, like, varying opinions about the Seahawks' return. I I agree with all the people that are saying they didn't get enough back. Um, I, Danny, I know you like I know you don't think he's a top five quarterback anymore, as you just said. But like I like when he's this is his first year where he's really had a significant injury of any kind, and when he's on the field, yes, you've seen some second half slumps, but uh, he was he's the MVP front runner through ha- first half of the season to the two years before this year. Uh, so he's still, he, when he's playing well, he can still play at the highest level quarterbacking in the league but and this is your franchise guy this guy won you your first Super Bowl uh he was a terrible decision from handing off the ball away from going back to back uh and this this is your franchise he is your franchise and you got back two first round picks two second round picks uh and a fourth I'm sorry it was a looks like a fourth not a fifth no I'm sorry they traded the fourth and they got the fifth back excuse me um Two first-round picks, including nine overall this year. Two second-round picks. Locke, Har- Shelby Harris, defensive lineman, and no fan. Like, the Seahawks are going to stink next year. They're going to stink, and I don't think they got enough back to retool properly with this trade. And uh, it seems like most of the NFL media agrees. Yeah, something I thought was funny was that uh, the Seahawks' general manager, John Schneider, I think, I don't know if this was, the, it was either the day before or, like, right at, I think it was right after the trade happened. He was, like, swarmed by reporters. And he, he was quoted saying, we want our fans feeling like we've got a shot to win this thing every year after trading away Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Which, obviously, that wasn't the intent of the trade, to try to, no. to try to contend for a Super Bowl or anything. So I don't know why. It, something that, I don't know. I, I kind of get why general managers and people in the organization are afraid to do it. But just if you're, if you're going to be tanking for a year or two, just say it. Just yeah. say we, we, we need to, we're, we're getting all these picks, right? So we're gonna to try to develop these guys, and maybe in two or three years we'll be right back in, as yeah. contenders. And that's, say every year. Yeah. That's why I have so much. I know it's a very different sport. I have so much respect for what the Rangers did in 2018. They had a, a veteran core that had a couple shots when the Stanley Cup didn't, made a bunch of deep playoff runs, and were clearly in decline. Um, and they they've released a public letter. They said, "Listen, we're gonna be moving on from a lot of like the big names and the familiar faces that you know." Um, and it's going to be tough, but we're going to come back, and we're going to come back strong. That's exactly what they did. They had an incredibly fast rebound, rebuild. They're going to the playoffs this year uh, for the first time in earnest for a while. Uh, and you got a bunch of young talent out of those trades, and the, those trades are what's propelling them currently to success. So I think I, it's very silly to say we are competing to win the Super Bowl this year, which is why we traded Russell Wilson. 
Yeah, we that, think we think Drew Locke offers an upgrade at the position. I don't know if he like even doesn't believe himself because like if you think of the Seahawks since 2013, all they've really done in off seasons was try to make moves to make themselves better. So if that's the philosophy that they've been operating under the past couple of years, and I think it would be even more concerning if they actually think that this move is better for them, like to win now, <laughs> which you know doesn't seem like unless they see something in Drew Locke that we don't. My take on. The trade from Seattle side is I think that the whole Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era in Seattle kind of run its course. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they the Seahawks decide to move on from, from Pete Carroll after this next season. I mean, you talk about as as good as Russell Wilson is, the the key foundation, the core of the Super Bowl Seattle teams just don't lie to yourself. Was Legion the Legion of Boom, Boom was the defense yep. and Marshawn Lynch. So, like, that was the early stage of Russell Wilson's career where the he, Pete Carroll hadn't really unleashed the, the aerial attack. And that's fine. I mean, he did what he did and won, won a Super Bowl, and if Pete Carroll makes the right decision, wins two. So he had an unreal nine years, or I think he had ten years in first ten seasons or nine seasons in Seattle. Doesn't doesn't matter. But yeah, I saw a stat yesterday that in a quarterback's first ten seasons, he has – He's number one in Pro Bowls. He's made nine. He's like second in touchdowns and first in yards. So an all unbelievable uh, run in Seattle. A lot of wins. He's the winningest quarterback in NFL history through a quarterback's first ten seasons. But I feel like they had to move on from him. I don't think they got enough for him necessarily in, in draft picks because if they are truly really trying to rebuild, the best way to rebuild is, is probably through the draft. So... I, I ultimately think they should have got more, but if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm thanking Russell Wilson, but also excited for the future because you have a very good organization, you have a very good front office, and I wouldn't really doubt that they're going to be back to being a playoff contender in the next couple of years. But ultimately, I don't think Drew, Drew Locke is that quarterback yeah. to get to. He's not. Um, Drew Locke, like, I, I can't believe that they, like, they, they the basket of players they got is probably a substitute for first-round pick, and I can't believe they accepted that. Like, if... I, I cannot believe they moved Russell Wilson for less than three first round picks. And I know like second rounders are valuable. Like uh, especially I think one of the second rounders is this year, so it's gonna be like I th- about fortieth overall. So that's a really valuable pick, but come on. You you gotta get three first rounders. They gave they gave up two first rounders for Jamal Adams and they got two back for Russell Wilson. That's the math does not compute there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right that they're basically valuing the players the same. But Drew Locke, I think, is an interesting quarterback just because I think he could be good, but he's just so turnover-prone. And there's never been a good quarterback that's turning it over all the time. Yeah. So if unless they can get that fixed, I think the Seahawks are going to be trying to move on from a quarterback very quickly, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Do, I, do any of you know how good the Broncos' offensive line is? Because I, I don't. Yeah, it's top ten. Top I, Russell Wilson with a good offensive line is go, is scary for the rest of the National Football League because Quarter- he's he's been running for his life for a long time. Quarterback was their glaring weakness. Yep. Or, I mean, yeah. After that, they really addressed like their secondary with Patrick Sertain, who had a monster year. They already have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, and they have proven weapons. The Broncos are a complete team, but yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them play the Chiefs twice next year. That's those are gonna be good games. Uh, I can already see because. Considering how tough it is to adjust to the altitude in Denver, when it's early on in the year, that's where the Broncos, when they play their home games, that's really when they tend to get out to a hot start. I'd like to see like them get off to like a 4-0, 5-0 start and instantly become Super Bowl favorites. Everyone loses their mind. Yeah. Starts betting on the Broncos. Yep. Uh, 
Another obviously huge move, Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, staying uh, in Green Bay. Uh, the re- initial reported contract was apparently incorrect of four years, $200 million, but he is staying in Green Bay. He has announced Devontae Adams is staying in Green Bay. They're running it back again. Uh, three straight years of 13 wins, three straight years of uh, disappointment in the playoffs. Um, although, actually, I will say, I, I can't really call the year they lost at the Niners a disappointment. The Niners were just a better team. They're on the road. All that stuff, but two really disappointing home losses to the Niners this year and the Bucks uh, last year uh, for the Packers. Um, Danny, I'm sorry, Rogers staying your division for a little while longer, uh, but are so especially with Russell Wilson out of the NFC, are the Packers the favorites to win the conference? No, no, I agree. Uh, I also agree. No, it's the Rams. <laughs> but I figured I'd pose the question. Um. I bet you the Packers are going to be the one seed again because they have a clown head coach and they'll cost them the season again. It's not Rodgers' fault. They'll probably go 14-3 or 13-4 next year, be the one seed and lose in the divisional round or NFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, like the, the Rams are just a better football team, top to bottom. And Bucks, Tom Brady, not sold he's retired. You, not you, at all. You, you don't think it's – not you, at all. Not I. I will be convinced when training camp starts and Tom Brady is on vacation. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the Niners potentially because <laughs> he did grow up a 49ers fan. Imagine uh, Garoppolo to Brady. Yeah, yeah. like instead of the instead opposite. of the opposite. <laughs> that, that would be I would be okay with him coming back. Just yeah, that, that would be the life. funniest. I when when um, Schefter broke his retirement and then Tom Brady's dad said no. I really wanted Tom Brady to just like. Out of spite, unretire, and to like say no. An MVP season, or just something. under, under to say no. I, I'm coming back. I don't know. It, it would have been nice to know, like for sure, that this was his last year. But and you know, he d- he did kind of miss his chance there to go out on top. But yeah, I, yeah and t- winning the Super Bowl. I mean, he's playing about as well as he's ever played. But that was one of the most like unglorious. He's like, oh yeah, I'm retired. Yeah, from so the greatest quarterback ever is gonna retire like that. Arguably greatest. Danny's head's about to yeah, explode. I <laughs> I'm media narrative here. You yeah. Talk about retirement parties. Yeah. Like at least Drew Brees like kind of had a whole season of like. Yeah, well, Drew Brees didn't announce it, but you watched him play, and you yeah, were like, "This is Drew Brees' last season." Or like Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought his well, last like, year was gonna be his last year. Announce it, but like st- even he had like a better going away party, I guess. Yeah. Well, no. Ro- well, Roethlisberger said, "Yeah, this is probably my last game." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I I still I'm still I'm still mad that the Chargers missed the playoffs, uh, because uh, they uh, Staley calls that timeout. We got to, we had to have Big Ben throwing three yard ducks instead of J- Justin Herbert throwing fifteen yard ropes yeah. on fourth down for the entire game. Uh, yeah, so I agree. Packers are going to be good next year. Obviously, it's pretty much the same team as they had this year, but I'm not going to be convinced with this group until I see them at least make the Super Bowl. Uh, you've had so many years in a row now where you just lose in the pl- NFC playoffs. Um, the choke at Seattle, to me, when they were up 16 nothing and Russell Wilson had three first-half interceptions, that's particularly egregious. But they dropped the onside kick. They dropped the onside kick. Um, they did force overtime, but the Seahawks scored on the first drive of overtime. But, again, they, Russell, I remember this so clearly. Russell Wilson's first-half passer rating that game was zero. He would have been better off throwing the ball into the turf every play, and he would have a higher passer rating. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the Packers Rodgers back ends a lot of speculation about where he would go. Uh, I think it would have been cool to see him somewhere else, but he 
just the relationship with he has with the fans in Green Bay. It, it was tough to imagine him going anywhere else. And finally, before we move on to college basketball, because we have a ton to talk about with Champ Week and Selection Sunday coming up this Sunday, uh, just a overrated, fraudulent loser, Carson Wentz, has been traded to the Washington Commanders. I am absolutely thrilled. I'm over the moon. This makes the team so makes much no worse. Makes no sense, Nicholas. you got to remove the bias. <clears throat> got to remove Taylor Heineke. Stop. Stop. I'm not going to. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke. Like, it's not even. There's no question. There's no doubt. You have to remove the body Eagles hatred. There's I can't let that there it's just no. <laughs> well I well I, I agree. I, I'm like being kind of facetious. Um but well first of all, I the the commanders, that's that's gonna take a while to get used to, by the way. The Washington Commanders. I don't think, we ever talked to, sp- I don't think we've ever spoken about that on the yeah, name change. The name yeah. change. What like what do you think? First of all, Stupid, it's, I'm never I'm not gonna talk about it, but you guys can. I'm always calling them the Redskins. Yeah, they're it's yeah, gonna get shortened to Washington Commies because it's so as you pointed out to me off air, John. It's three syllables, and the other three syllable teams, 49ers, Buccaneers, and Patriots, all get shortened. So they're the Washington Commies. Like, good good job, I guess. Yeah, you got what was it? It was three year two. It was two or three years, and you came up with that. Yeah, like you hired a team. A team. You of you, you had like a marketing team. You sat down for probably hundreds of hours, focus grouping, testing, like doing all that stuff. Some and Washington Commanders is probably. what you came away with. But uh, yeah. Well, Danny, first of all, the Commanders Super Bowl odds, as long as they were, went way down <laughs> after the trade was announced today. And I know some of that is reflecting the elimination of the possibility they trade for a better quarterback. But um, yeah, he, he he's better than Taylor Heineke, but he will he's he's not good. Like he's not even okay. He's bad. Like you went from a bad quarterback to a bad quarterback, and that's that's all there is. His stats are so empty. When you need him to win a game, he's gonna lose a game. Uh, the Colts went from 39 year old Philip Rivers, whose arm was so dead they had to bring up a backup quarterback every time they wanted to throw the ball downfield. Um, and that team won 11 games. They bring in Carson Wentz. They win nine, even though he had an additional game to play to try and win. Uh, three more losses, I should say, than uh, Philip Rivers had. Missed the playoffs. I just had the way, Danny, the way you feel about Cam Newton, that's how I feel about Carson Wentz. L O S E R, loser. Loser, loser, loses his team's games. Eagles fans all around the world should be on their hands and knees thanking God that he got hurt uh, against the Rams in their thirteen in their uh, Super Bowl season because there is when absolutely he was on, when no he was well ch- on his way to being MVP. There is no chance. There is no chance they win the Super Bowl with him under center. Absolutely. Talk about Russell Wilson being an MVP. He was through thirteen or fourteen weeks the MVP favorite. But keep going. Okay, and then the, Danny, you got, you have to know in your heart of hearts that he is not he is not having the performance that Nick Foles has in that Super Bowl. He's just not. Patriots defense. I don't know. That had a pencil here. He was the guy calling the plays. I mean, that Patriots defense was pretty good for most of the season, and you know the Patriots didn't punt that entire game, and they still lost. And that that's 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 how good the Eagles' offense was that day. But, I agree. I don't think Wentz is great, but I still think he's a lot better than you think he is. You could think that. I think a lot of. I think he's the most empty stats guy in the NFL because you have to scheme him so safe, uh, and his depth of target is so shallow that, like, yeah, he's gonna rack up like some. He's gonna keep tur- his turnovers low. He's gonna, like, this year I should say, like, when he was handing the ball, but he was just you know giving the ball away. Uh, to the defense when he was in Philly his last year, but the Colts schemed him so safe this year to cut down on the turnovers. They did. They did cut down on the turnovers drastically. 
but he makes some of the worst decisions you will ever see by an NFL quarterback. The shovel pass directly to the defender uh, as he's being sacked on the, like the toe is particularly hilarious to me. But uh, you just you can't trust him to win you the game. Like I and we we talked about this when it happened. You have two chances, win and in. Uh, Raiders at home who made the playoffs but weren't a great team, and then worst team in the NFL, and you can't win either game, and you play really really horribly in both. So, L O S E R loser. Uh, Washington Commanders fans. I was on the, their subreddit today. Their entire their entire subreddit was like, "Oh my God, no! Why? What are we doing? I hate this team. I'm done. No, no, no! Why?" Yeah, it's been a rough couple of months. Yeah, for the Washington football team. <laughs> for the Washington football team. So, uh, I'm ve- I'm very excited for when the Giants play them. It's gonna. I think it'll be. I think I'm gonna have a good time. I think I'm really gonna enjoy that. Any uh, any Colts QB prospects moving in the future? I have two scenarios personally. Go ahead. Uh, first is is the long shot that Tom Brady comes back and takes <laughs> the Niners. Garoppolo's going there to is, Indianapolis. Oh, Garoppolo so, to Indy? Okay. Garoppolo to Indy. And uh, second, I think Jordan Love needs a home after mm. Aaron Rodgers being signed for the next four years. Yeah. I think that there's no reason why the Packers would ever hold on to him after that. So, so yeah. give him a chance. He's 23. He was taken in upper rounds. So he's yeah. go for it. Uh, I think we have to see if <clears throat> Rodgers' deal is actually uh, – Four years, yeah, because that's true. That's true. That is true. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know why Rogers yeah. would send that tweet out. If yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, you could probably <laughs> get crazy, you so. could probably get Jordan Love for like a, a jugs machine and a bag of footballs if you're the Colts. So that's an appeal there too. Um, what about Kyler Murray? He seems to be pretty, a little uh, disgruntled. Yeah, Murray. yeah. Uh, if they well, can't he reach, he wants the long term. He wants the long term deal, but he's it seems he's willing to move on if he doesn't get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. Uh, a, a team I I would like them to call. And just you know, get some, I, maybe call maybe call the Falcons and see what Matt Ryan's situation yeah. is. I, his cap hit is absolutely massive this year. I, I think he's. I think I read he's going to have the biggest cap hit in the history of the NFL. It's like forty four and a half million. So they could be looking to move on from him as they are kind of in like limbo hell right now in terms of a rebuild. And the Colts now have the most cap space in the NFL after moving on from Wentz. So. It's a possibility. We I we talked about how they're I, they're quarterback. They're like the Broncos. They're quarterback away. If they were the ones who traded for us, that's the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. But uh, Indianapolis. They, yeah. They, if you put Russell Wilson on the Colts, are that it's not the best team in the NFL? I know I your wide they still got to get they still your wide receiver room is a little lacking. I, I'll give you that. But you have an elite offensive line, uh, a top five running back, and an elite defense. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like the Rams have that it's, plus the receiver receivers. <laughs> so yeah. they're like slightly more complete. They're, like, they're what, they don't nearly complete. have the they don't nearly have the run game. What is telling That's about true. the Colts is that I felt that you know Frank Reich was all over Carson Wentz going into this past season. So Nicholas is going to be happy that I'm saying this, but it is telling that the Colts gave up on him because they're in win now mode, and I don't think Carson. How long was Carson Wentz's contract supposed to be for? Um, I think it was a two year deal. I think it was. So, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, when I was watching that, like, in-season hard knocks, it seemed like Reich and Carson Wentz were getting along when the Colts were winning. And, I mean, after they beat Arizona, it seemed like Carson Wentz was on top of the world. And, obviously, didn't end the season the way uh, he expected or wanted to. But, I think uh, for the Colts to move on from that, move on from Wentz after just one quick season is, is very, very telling, telling to yeah. what they think about his uh, potential. Yeah. He signed a... 
it seems he's under contract through 2024. It says there's a potential out after this year, but I don't know if that's team or player. Uh, let's see. Yeah. No, that's not saying, but yeah, he is. He signed a four-year contract a few years ago with the. He signed a. It was. I think he signed his four-year deal with the Eagles before the 2020 season, and then they immediately traded him afterwards because that's. Yeah. That's that's all you need to know about Carson Wentz, in my opinion. Anyway, so I, I think that's that's all the. Uh, you had some other significant, but not as blockbuster moves. Mike Williams, big extension with the Chargers. Bobby Wagner, All Pro linebacker, cut by the Seahawks as they move it in the rebuild after trading Russ. Um, any big thing I'm missing there in the NFL? Don't believe so. Yeah, Cowboys covers uh, it. Franchise tag Schultz. Schultz, yeah, they could be moving on from Mari Cooper. Oh, um, Bucks uh, franchise tag oh, Chris, Chris Godwin, Godwin, who is. Uh, projected to be the top free agent wide receiver if Devontae Adams got tagged. So now they're both, neither of them are going to be changing teams. So uh, the free agent market, the offseason, really starting to take shape as we uh, ramp up towards the draft. What are you going to say, Dan? I'm just going to uh, make a prediction here. Uh, coming back home to Detroit uh, will be Bears receiver Allen Robinson. I think the Lions are going to sign him. Back back home to Detroit? He is from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, oh, he's from Detroit. Okay. I was. I thought I thought like you maybe like went to Michigan or something. No, I was no, like, no. really? Like you are you you are embracing the Michigan kid coming? No, home? no, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, co- college basketball. It's that time of year. It's Lots March. To talk about. Lot to talk about. I'd like to start with uh, Villanova's impressive uh, close of the season, uh, beating Providence in an absolute nail biter over break. Um, really good back and forth game, and Nova had a big first half lead. That they squandered, but uh, in the second half. But unlike a lot of the games where they lose second half lead, I thought Nova played pretty well. Providence was just making some incredibly difficult shots. Um, especially uh, for, what's number four? I forget his name. Uh, Bynum. Bynum, yeah. Jared. Jared Bynum like was making some incredibly difficult mid range shots. They ran a play two or three times where they set a high screen and you had the uh, you had a guy cut out towards the wing. Grab the ball right behind the three-point line, and as his momentum is taking him away from the basket, rise, fire, and drain a three. I think they did that twice or three times, just to get really difficult shots. And I know that people are saying, "Oh, like they're missing their second-leading score." Providence shot forty-six percent, almost fifty percent from three from three in that game. That that's their best shot. Like they're ha- having him there. Like you're not going to upgrade on that shooting percentage. They're not going to be more efficient. They're not going to like that. That's their best shot. Uh, and Villanova took it. Played incredibly well, made a bunch of clutch free throws down the stretch, made the plays, won the game. I was really impressed. Uh, that was the best I've seen Providence look all year, and Villanova took it, handled it, and won the game. And uh, an environment where I was there, I was, I was, it was louder than I thought it would be, honestly, since it was a break game, especially spring break where so many kids are out of the country. But uh, yeah, the student section was like a lot of parents, a lot of parents in the student section. <laughs> I don't. And this is a tangent, but I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Bringing your mom or dad to the student section, it just feels a little bit weird to me. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if they, it, it's harmless. It's, it's harmless. harmless. Well, it's either going to be empty or you're going to have... Yeah, so like, we'll, we'll take what you yeah. can get. As long as I, you I'd rather have the parents in there in the student section screaming and being loud than, like, the people who just come to the game and sit there silently. Yeah, and, like, that's true. Sit their beer and we're like, you're like, get, oh, there's three minutes left and it's a two-point game and we're on defense, stand. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I don't feel like it. And now Providence, statistically luckiest team in the country before this, 
they were it was either 11 and 0 or 12 and 0 in games decided by five points or fewer before they met the Villanova Wildcats oh, yeah. beat them and the twice yeah. by less than five with a stadium full of asterisks yeah. asterisks I, yeah. that was a good scene I saw yeah. that on TV yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was right by where they like where the Providence players run out at like I I was I was in the rear about must be nice to cancel like all your hard games that must be nice. Yeah, well, and then I someone's got to let them know. Yeah, I think uh, I got a couple of the guys, a couple of players returned. Look at me when I said uh, first weekend, first weekend. Uh, like I, I was like, yeah, first weekend. Where you guys going after the round of thirty-two? I hear Cancun's the nicest time of year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was nice. This is the last game in Pavilion while we we're going to be students. So it was nice to to heckle them one more time, to heckle the opposition there. All, all in good fun, of course. But uh, great win there, and then go into Butler on their senior day and just absolutely humiliate them. Get out to a twenty-three to four lead, yeah. start the game, and never look back. Uh, senior night. Yeah, obviously it was Who senior day. Villanova on your senior night. Senior day. <laughs> it was a noon tip. Uh, but yeah, obviously Butler's not a good team, not a great team. Although they did just get a, a, a win over Xavier in the Big East tournament. But uh, you play the schedule, and they blew them out. Looking really good. Villanova's up to eight. In the AP poll, still sitting on the three line. If they win the Big East tournament, which we'll segue into now, about, I think I just want to say one thing. How about uh, <clears throat> Jordan Longino got 22 minutes, scored 10 points on uh, Saturday. So, really hoping and praying that he can get some playing time come the Big East tournament yep. and the NCAA tournament. It's March. Yeah. It's March. I, I think we're all in agreement that he should be playing over Chris Arch. Oh my God! And oh wait, sorry, um, forgot to point out. Uh, Chris Archidiakono legacy game on Saturday against Butler. <laughs> Two for four from the field. Uh, three for four from the free throw line. Eight points. One personal foul. One steal. One assist. Two rebounds. Just pretty much all over the floor. Yeah. Um, I don't know when they factor. announced the um, all Big East teams, but maybe they should go back and watch that tape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, like when if you're Quinnipiac and you offer him there, you. you Quinnipiac, you know, a school that uh, offered him uh, a scholarship, and you just see a player like that fall through your hands, see him have that kind of game, it's, it's got to crush you. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> got a gem. But, yeah, Jordan Logino has been very impressive in his limited role, I think, for the Cats, making some big-time threes. Uh, he had there was one there was one play uh, at the Providence game where he made he made a really tough, like, mid, uh, mid-range shot that I was impressed. But... I like we all agree that he should be the seventh man in the rotation instead yep. of Chris Arch. Anyway, um Biggie's tournament, segueing into that, I think it'll be tough to keep Villanova off the two line if they win it, simply because a, a bunch of the teams that are ahead of them for that gotta play each other and some of them are gonna lose. And you're likely to in all likelihood uh, like you're gonna have at least one major upset. For a, a team ahead of them, maybe Kansas loses early in the Big 12 tournament, maybe Purdue or um, Kentucky or Wisconsin. or I don't even know if Wisconsin's still ahead of them. It depends on who you ask. But I think it's going to be difficult. It'll be possible, but it'll be difficult to keep Villanova off the two line should they win the tournament. Now, with that said, Villanova has a very difficult draw. Uh, St. John's and DePaul are currently playing right now. Are they playing right now? Did that game start yet? It was supposed uh, to start at 7, but... Because the other uh, game went to overtime. Yeah, um, I'm gonna make a bold prediction that could be wrong by the time I post this on Spotify. DePaul's gonna win that game. Uh, they are playing really well lately. They're four and a half point underdogs, but uh, Javon Freeman, Liberty, their leading scorer and the leading scorer in the Big East, 
has come back from injury, and since then they are a different team. They are a different team than uh, when Villanova played them when he wasn't healthy. If you remember when they went to DePaul and he was playing, that was a tooth and nail game. He was pulling up from absolutely everywhere on the floor with with incredible confidence, and he was making some really long range threes. Uh, since he's returned, they beat Marquette, and they gave UConn a real run for their money uh, in conference play. St. John's, I think, like just is collapsed on the season. So Paul's going to win this game. I'm very confident. So Villanova will get them, and if they win that game, I th- they're going to get UConn in all likelihood unless they get upset by uh, uh, Seton Hall. Who yeah. they play? Or Georgetown. Uh, UConn's going to gonna have to play the winner of Seton Hall, oh. Georgetown. The, but, but, Seton Hall. Georgetown in the Big East tournament. Georgia, well, I mean, okay, Georgetown, Georgetown in the Big East tournament. Doing? Georgetown in the Big East tournament last year was mediocre yeah. going to that tournament. <laughs> they were the eight seed. They they had won games. They they <laughs> Georgetown still 0-19 in conference. Uh, just absolutely hilarious there. But uh, assuming they take care of business against Seton Hall, which is not a given, uh, the Pirates are a good team. Uh, Villanova UConn that's tough. I think you I yeah. I'm. I know Providence technically finished ahead of them because, you know, canceled all their hard games. But I think Villanova's best team in the conference. I think UConn's the second-best team. Uh, that's going to be an absolute tooth-and-nail dogfight. Uh, it was a really difficult game at their place when we played in the regular season. Uh, when we had them at Wells Fargo, Villanova kind of led wire to wire. Uh, just Sunogo uh, was not present in the first half, foul trouble, and not playing well. He played a lot better in the second half, which is why the second half was much closer. But... He's a problem. Uh, that's a tough assignment for Eric Dixon. He's just given up so much size that it's really difficult. Uh, and they're a team that can uh, shoot three ball as well. So that's. I just want to say, as you were, you guys were talking about uh, in regards to Villanova's seeding. I think as long as they win tomorrow night, that should wrap up at least a three, a three. seed. Yep. Um, and then if they do win the Big East tournament, as Nick said, I I don't really see any way that you could possibly leave Villanova off the two line. But also the thing people got to got to remember is that Joel Lennard and all these guys making the bracketology, they're not in the room. They're not on, on the selection committee. So Villanova could be a two-seed on every single bracketology in the country, and then on selection Sunday they could be a three. It's how it happens. It's how yep. it works. It's, un- it's unfortunate, but it's, how, it's the reality of uh, college basketball. But as Nick said, Georgetown went from biggest champs to 0-19. They are a disgrace. So I don't see a way that they beat Seton Hall tonight. So I think it's going to be Villanova. Uh, I do agree with Nick. I think DePaul is going to beat St. John's. Uh, so I think it's Villanova-DePaul. I think Villanova takes care of business. And then I think UConn. Seton Hall is going to be a very, very good game because Seton Hall is a very tough team. And, you know, they can play with anyone in the Big East. They've been one of the toughest teams in the conference since we've been in, in school here. Um, but I think all Villanova fans should want another date with UConn after the last episode. Um, I I don't really think you can be scared of UConn if you're, a, a, if you're a real Villanova fan and you have aspirations for Villanova to go deep in the tournament because you're going to play a lot of teams like UConn in the tournament. So... Yeah. I, I, I want to date with the Huskies on Friday night, and um, I want to get some revenge for, or I want to avenge that loss uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. We're putting, Col- by the way, Colin, uh, putting Colin Gillespie, who, by the way, uh, two time Big East Conference Player of the Year. Uh, congratulations to him for that. Uh, he's a scholar m- athlete. He's a scholar athlete, too, but I don't know how many. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I, I don't know how many uh, players have won Big East Player of the Year twice. We can try and find that out for you, but that has got to be a very short list. Oh yeah, 
Uh, so incredible accomplishment for Colin there. Um, I think he was I think he was only listed as third team third team All American. Uh, yeah, All American teams already come out. It was it, what, it, it wasn't like sure? maybe it wasn't the official official yeah, ones, but there was like something. Like... Nova Basketball posted something about him being third team. If it, the Associated Press hasn't come out yet, though. I don't think so. No. Um, yeah, but, Gillespie, I think, is also the favorite for the Bob Cousy Award, which is the best point guard in the country. So we'll see if that happens as well. Justin Moore was Sports on. Sports Illustrated. Sports Sports Illustrated. Illustrated. Okay, so fake, yeah. Justin Moore, uh, once again, don't want to be mean because you should congratulate someone for being the sec- on the second uh, team All-Big East, but underwhelming year. He was a first-team All-Big East player going into the season. He was the best player on the team. I had high hopes for him. I Big East player of the year caliber hopes for him and he just did not deliver hopefully i think uh, by the media day pictures i saw from the garden he got a new haircut <laughs> difference um because if he plays to his potential villanova can go to the final four mm-hmm. i agree <laughs> i i don't know if the haircut was was causing... it looks it looks clean i have to it looks, admit it looks, it looks better yeah i, I kind of like the ramen look i gotta say well that's i get maybe that's just because i'm used to from odell having it uh Anyway, yeah, uh, Providence, they're the one seed, but and I know both games were close, but I think Villanova is just a better basketball team. Um, and like Danny said, um, when you have a team as good as Seton Hall and like a conference as competitive as Big East, you can't really take a lot for granted. But I would be very surprised if UConn, the winner of U- if Villanova-UConn doesn't happen for one, even though... The, they're both going to have very tough tests to get there, but I think they'll both pass. I'm su- I'll be surprised that doesn't happen, and I'll if that happens, I will be even more surprised if the winner of that game doesn't win the tournament. I think that I don't want to call it the de facto championship because Providence had such a good regular season and played Villanova so tightly in both games. About Marquette, Marquette, Marquette too. Like it, yep. but I if if Villanova UConn happens, which I think it will, but I'm not guaranteeing that the winner of that game. I will be stunned if they don't win it. Uh, and I know, like, oh, it's the semifinal. Like, of course you can say that. But I'd be very, I think their side of the bracket with Seton Hall, Villanova, and UConn is a lot stronger than the other side with Marquette and Providence and uh, Butler now after after upsetting Xavier. So, uh, yeah. Natural. So, uh, got, are we uh, all going to pick the home team here to win the to win the tournament? That's that's dangerous if we all pick, if we all pick Villanova. Win it to win the conference tournament here. Uh, I think Georgetown's gonna make a run and it'll be, <laughs> it'll be the first power six, uh, 16 seed to ever, ever <laughs> March Madness. <laughs> I'm on the air saying that. Oh my god, John <laughs> just diving on the live grenade yep. to, to not jinx the, the cats here. Uh, but I, I think said we'll, that to save you two, so yeah. <laughs> I better uh, after this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get a bigger cut of the dollar twenty six in ad revenue made on Spotify. You, we each have to give a legitimate prediction. Okay. Okay. And they all have to be different. Okay. I'll go last. I well, I you have to you have to give a case for a non Villanova. No, one person can take Villanova. Why, why don't we all give our our, our best like. Our arguments for a team wide. Fine, I'll go first, and it's probably a team that you guys aren't going to take. I'm going to take Marquette. I like, I think they're on the easier side of the bracket with Providence. I believe, who do they play tomorrow? They play Creighton tomorrow. Uh, wait, no, incorrect. That is, oh, wait, never mind. They, they did play Creighton, you're right. They play Creighton tomorrow. All right. 
I don't think Creighton is anything special. So I think Marquette can take care of business against Creighton. Uh, assuming Providence beats Butler, they will have a date in the semifinals with Providence. I think Marquette can, I mean, as Providence has shown all year, they're great in close games. But they've proven that, Providence has proven that really any team in the Big East can hang with them. I think Marquette's going to be Providence in that one. You go to the conference championship, I think it's either going to be um, Villanova or UConn on that side of the bracket. And I'll take Villanova to win that. And Marquette's already beat him twice. Why not make it three times? Justin Lewis is one of the best players in the country. Is not, not only one of the best players in the conference, but is one of the best players in the country. Uh, Marquette's deep. they got athleticism, size, all the things, all the traits that I want in a college basketball team. I like Shaka Smart, the head coach, a lot. Um, they kind of faltered a little down the stretch. So I think they're going to get some momentum heading into the NCAA tournament. They've had a phenomenal year to date uh they were projected to be one of the worst teams in the big east so the fact that they are already a lock shoo-in to be uh in the in the field of 68 is a remarkable accomplishment for shaka smart in year one and i think uh they're gonna take home some hardware in new york i think they win the big east all right uh john if you want to give a serious prediction i i i will i will defer to you to go first here he i i i know georgetown is not your serious prediction buddy yeah i'll make the i'll make the argument for uconn here i think UConn's going to be facing up against Nova, and it's it's pretty much going to be a UConn home game in the Garden. I think. It's be... Sorry to cut you off, John, but no, DePaul we... just started off on a 12-2 run against yeah, uh, St. John's. I, I didn't know if I should butt in or not, but <laughs> you officially made that prediction before. The, I game, did so make that so prediction so before Tim. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but and at any rate, it's going to be a UConn home game at MSG. Not not like to a huge extent, but maybe. You can get 60-40, UConn-Nova, mm-hmm. push it up to 70-30. Probably not that much, but I could see it. And uh, UConn's just a great team. We split the series so far, and uh, they could we could just have a bad day. You know, Justin Moore might not show up, and then UConn takes it by five points or something. They move yeah. on. And either Providence might get upset, like, like Danny said, or Providence will keep going, but I think they're still the worst mm-hmm. team. And the UConn fan base at MSG is just going to be off the rails during the tournament, especially if they have the chance to win the Big East tournament for the first time mm. since uh, the since they've rejoined. Mm. So um, that is the UConn argument. Yep. You guys are so kind. Yeah. You guys are so generous. You guys, I have some great co-hosts here. Um, January, February, Jay Wright. Villanova's playing its Don't best. Don't take fa- the Tom Izzo statement, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> uh Villanova is, in all seriousness, Villanova is playing its best basketball of the season as we come into March, as you would expect from Villanova team. Um, they have only have three losses since the turn of the new year, one of them uh, to, to Marquette and then one in the app in, at UConn, and that had some uh, questionable officiating, we'll say. But uh, this team has shown it can overcome adversity. I love what Eric Dixon has developed into. Con Gillespie is the conference player of the year, as we just talked about. Tremaine Samuels has played a lot more aggressively lately. That's a key for this team. He's got to be aggressive when he's aggressive. When he's aggressive, he has some of the highest potential out of any player in the conference, but he just very rarely um, plays with that level of aggression. So teams keep that going. Uh, I I will I'll be the homer. I'll take the home team. But that is my serious prediction. Uh, I think the UConn game is going to be tough. I think that's going to be their toughest test. If they get to the championship, they're going to win it. But I, I like them to take down UConn. I don't think UConn's going to beat them twice. And honestly, I, I wouldn't mind playing Providence. I want to see Marquette in the championship. I want to get a little revenge. I Danny uh, likes admires Shaka Smart. He likes Shaka Smart. 
Um, you think he's a good coach? I think he's a good coach too, but I I don't like him. I I, I like that having him like pretty much at half court for the entire game, just jumping up and down, like was like just really annoying. That's deep field. Uh, Mar- Marquette players slipped off the student section as they uh, ran out of the building after they won the pavilion. Uh, I I would like to get a little measure of revenge against them. I I want to see them in the championship. I want to beat them. Um, but that's that's more of the fan in me. My serious prediction is though Nova over Providence. For the Big East title. All right, three different teams. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it we'll too. Check back in a week. We'll see. Uh, so some bubble news. Before. I just want to say the Marquette thing. I'm not like that's not just like a prayer. I think Marquette can eat that. They're my pick. Marquette is winning the Big East tournament. I, I respect that pick, Dan. I, I I really do. I I I I want to I want to. That's the team I want to see. I want to beat them. Not because I think it's the best match for Villanova or something, but I feel I, like before we move on past the Big East, we have to address Xavier. Uh, I don't think they should be in the NCAA tournament right. after, yep. after tonight's loss. I, don't, I, don't, I, I it's tough to they argue with you. They're already on the bubble. Two absolutely humil- just just humiliating collapses today. Uh, Xavier and then Wake Forest earlier by bubble teams that probably just played themselves out of the tournament against inferior opponents. We'll start with Xavier because Danny mentioned that first. Up six with a minute to go. Uh, they find a way to lose that game. They miss four three throws in one possession. Four. Uh, miss both. Offensive rebound foul. Miss both again. Um, game goes to... Um, they actually um, hit one of the most difficult layups on an N1 I've ever seen to take a two-point lead. Miss the free throw. And uh, who Scruggs made that shot, right? Yes. So he, and after making the shot and missing the free throw, intentionally fouls a Butler player who shoots 90% from the free throw line. Up two with five seconds left. Kid obviously makes both, and the game goes to overtime where they just lo- where they lose. They um, shot thirteen of twenty nine from the free throw line. In, yep, including uh, yeah, Jeez. what was it? Five misses in the last minute fifteen of regulation. Yeah, something like that. And then they missed a pair in overtime. I was watching that on my phone, just a collapse. And I like Xavier's team. They're tough, play hard. I think they're well coached. But I mean, that's your senior leader, Scruggs, who won the game for you twice. He made an insane, like, Luca LeBron-esque fadeaway, like, tougher that, like, with the can't play any better defense. Swish, and then, as Nick said, create one of the craziest and ones I've ever seen. Um, and then just idiotic fouls on the defensive end ultimately cost them the game. Yep. And you miss it one of six at the line the last minute 15s. And then give credit to Butler, though. Yep. Nothing to play for. They wanted to win that game just as bad as Xavier did, and Xavier had their entire season on the line. Yeah. Uh, and then Wake Forest, um, the last team in on a lot of uh, brackets. Uh, just uh, most bracketologists agree, though. Just got to beat a really bad BC team, and you're in. They were up ten with six minutes left. Um, choke, losing overtime. Uh, there's, it's going to be very difficult for them to find their way in the tournament now. I, I don't know about Zav- Xavier. I think it's more of a bubble situation where like they're going to be preying on Selection Sunday. But I think Wake is just done. Uh, that is. About a Baz lost again, and I just got to say, it's going to be crazy when BC wins the ACC tournament. It's going to be hilarious. No. Um, but uh, as Danny said, it, like Butler, who didn't have a lot to play for, Boston College didn't have a lot to play for either, and they wanted to win. Same, just as bad. And now they're going to have a chance to do it again to a conference rival. They play Miami, who's also firmly on the bubble, and a win by uh, BC against them would probably knock Miami out of the field too. Wow. And I, I can't say that's not going to happen because I didn't think they were going to be late for us today. So. Hey, who, 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 what's stopping them from doing it again tomorrow? I guess. I, I think Miami is 
firmly in, though. Wake and Xavier are definitely going to be sweating it out. But I, as long as bad of a loss as Boston College is, I would be pretty surprised if they haven't done enough to already make it. Just because, I don't know, that win on the road at Cameron Indoor, I feel like uh, that's one of the better wins in college basketball this entire season. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Miami's in, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And like you, you, you pointed out uh, very astutely that these guys making these brackets, they're not in the room. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like the college football playoff where they're like saying, "This is our six. This is our six. This is our six. Yeah, and I wonder how much bias there is to see the fourth team in the ACC see, and like yeah. leave them out. Yeah, just on the basis of them not being good enough. Yep. I well, wouldn't agree with it because the ACC is terrible this year. Yeah, <laughs> so you can't really take that as a yeah factor. But, yeah. but you know. I mean, if Miami loses, I like. I think they'll they'll be sweating for sure. Oh I, yeah, like they they're I they're not going and feeling comfortable at all. But uh, we haven't really we haven't seen a lot of bubbles shrinking yet this year, um, as we no. have in years past. We haven't. Our our, our best chance was Morehead against Murray State, um, but uh, Murray State pulled out a really close one there. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think I don't know. You're right. We haven't really seen a whole lot of bubble shrinking, but. One one team on the bubble that I have my eye on is Indiana, and they don't play um, Michigan until tomorrow. I think that's like a twelve o'clock tip. Um, that would be if we're talking about individual game collapses. Like that would be a mid-season collapse because they were is they were a lock to make the tournament. They were I don't know if they were ever ranked, but they had a really solid resume about halfway three quarters through the year and just kind of have collapsed yeah. down the stretch. Another bubble team, uh, Rutgers. Uh, they're they're kind of in a weird spot where they almost didn't want the double buy. Because just to have the opportunity to get one more win against, uh, like, they've been a five instead of the four, so against a, a really low-seeded team in the Big Ten, uh, they, maybe that could have pushed them over. I doubt it. But uh, now they're going to have a double bye, and they're going to await um, some play behind them there. Do you, either of you know the five-seed offhand? Iowa. Iowa. So they're going to have to probably beat a good Iowa team to, to ensure – uh, a berth in the NCAA tournament. If they beat Iowa, I can't see them getting left out. Um, but that's that's a tough team. That's gonna be a tough game. So uh, yeah, I, and they most likely have Illinois after that, barring a Michigan or Indiana yeah. win. An upset there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I I think they beat Iowa and they're good. Probably. What do you think, Danny? They're sitting on the twelve. Yeah. I think the the ESPN bracketology has. I don't know. Twelve seed line. I I think they need two wins. You, you don't think you don't think beating a ranked Iowa team is be enough making the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament? Well, I think they have to be by default over oh, Wake wait, Forest wait. over what other team lost Xavier. They'd be. I, I think you have to put them over Xavier. Yeah, they're probably gonna jump Xavier. I feel like if they, I feel like if they beat Iowa, they should be in. But by no means am I feeling comfortable if I'm a Rutgers fan on Section Sunday. You win twice, you're in. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, if you beat the one seed. If you beat if you beat Illinois again, oh, yeah. like, come on, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But uh, I was a good team, and Keegan Murray is he's one of the better players in college basketball. Mm-hmm. So Rutgers gonna have their hands full, but they have proven all year long that they can beat top teams. And I'm pulling for them to make the tournament because they kind of had a really really tough start to the season. Uh, some really bad non-conference losses. Uh, UMass and I think Lafayette. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lafayette's net ranking is like 320. So uh, I don't know. Really? I pretty, uh, you can fact check. Why don't you fact check me on that? Because it's the top of the hour, so it's time for Station ID. 
Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Online at wxvu.villanova.edu. On air at 89.1 on your FM dial or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. This is Father Peter and you're listening to V891 The Roar. Is your Play-Doh paper due tomorrow? Need a fresh set of eyes to look over your final draft? Haven't even started yet? You can make an appointment at the Villanova University Writing Center. Located on the second floor of Falvey Memorial Library, the Writing Center is full of professionally trained tutors who assist Villanova students of all majors on their writing assignments, from personal statements to thesis papers, at any stage in the writing process. Hours of operation are Sunday, 3.30 to 7.30, Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 7.30, and Friday from 11.30 to 3.30. Stop in or call 610-519-4604 to make an appointment today. We're back. An absolutely outstanding guest there for me is uh, Lafayette's net ranking is 318. So, uh, yeah. Before we continue, uh, what, Danny? All right. Uh, before we continue looking at the bubble teams, I just want to talk about some of the mid-major tournaments that happened, uh, specifically uh, what went down in that Bryant and Wagner game. Uh, that was one I was following closely because uh, Bryant has a leading score in the country. And uh, th- this this kid has some attitude. Uh, he, he was a uh, real – that was I, – I was very shocked because Wagner was – although they were the two seed, they were first in the conference for the majority of the year. And they got they got ran out of the gym, like – Ran, ran out of the gym. It was thirty-six to six during that game, and uh, Kiss is his name. Was uh, really, really letting the other team hear it with some crazy celebrations to the point where his coach grabbed him and said, "That's enough." And uh, you got an ugly fight break out behind the uh, Wagner bench with the Wagner like friends and family and the Bryant student, student section. I don't know whose genius idea it was to put <laughs> them right next to each other with no separation, um, but they had stopped the game. Like a bandwagon for- of. Of Wagner fans too. There was uh, like some like so, I think they like brought a busload in. They all yeah, got kicked they, out by the end. Yeah, they like uh, they had to remove them. It took half an hour. It took half an hour. But yeah. All the Bryant fans obviously stayed in the stands to wait to, to storm the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Last time in the tournament, uh, they're gonna have uh, they're probably gonna have to play in a play-in in the first four. But uh, th- this team has some attitude. This team has some attitude, and there it seems to have uh, that that was a crazy scene. Uh, another point. Oh, like a high school gym, honestly. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these mid majors. That's sick, though. You have to admit, it's great that they let uh, the mid major like conference tournaments. The championship is at the a campus site. Like, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this last night a little bit off air. That like um, obviously like the neutral court adds like a prestige to it. So I'm like glad that like obviously the biggest tournament is in the mecca of basketball. So it is like. If I could pick a neutral court anywhere in in the country, I would pick MSG. So that's just an unbelievable opportunity. But it's it's cool as students, selfishly, to have games like that on campus. Imagine imagine clinching the Big East championship in the pavilion, storming the court. Like that'd be fun. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I'm glad I it's if the pavilion court. will ever be stormed within the next Wells, ten years. Well, Wells Fargo was stormed when we beat Kansas when they were number one. Oh, was it? But uh, like the. The, like, Wells Fargo employees, I was at that game, like, formed basically a wall where, like, only, like, the super front part of the student section could Mm. get down onto the court. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
Moving on. Uh, Other majors. Uh, Chattanooga and Furman. I don't know the. Con- I think it was, I think it was a Southern Conference. Southern SoCon. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ch- uh, Chattanooga hitting one of the most unbelievable buzzer beaters you will ever see. Uh, down to about a thirty-two foot heave. Prayer answered. Uh, they advanced to the uh, uh, NCAA tournament over old Villanova rival Furman. Um, and sorry. Um, and I just remember the player who made the shot at the end of regulation it was tied and he was screaming for the ball um, like uh, pretty much exactly where he made the OT winner later in the game so he took it in his own hands there and uh, made that shot later in the game so uh, that was a pretty cool one uh, there was there was a crazy one last night that's escaped that I missed that's escaping me well there was Delaware which Delaware five, five seed in their seed tournament, tournament. Uh, yeah, making it as well you had Jacksonville and Jacksonville State um and the whole Bellarmy, oh, yeah, Bellarmy, uh, yeah. Well, I was talking about Bellarmy being ineligible, winning their conference tournament, but not being eligible for the NCAA tournament because they're transitioning from D two. So Jacksonville State, I no Jacksonville beat Jacksonville State, I believe, but no, other way around. Other way around? Yeah, Jacksonville State's dancing, I think, because Beller Bellarmy beat yeah Jacksonville beat Jacksonville State. I, I, I don't know which... Jacksonville State beat Jacksonville. Bellarmine beat Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So Jacksonville State. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sure. 100%. Okay. Yeah. On a, on a really weird technicality there, a team that lost in the semifinals is going to the NCAA tournament because they were the top regular season team. Uh, they lo- uh, The team they lost to lost in the championship to Bellarmine, who was ineligible, as we said. Really weird situation there. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're really ramping up in the Champ Week now. The major conferences are beginning their tournaments. Uh, ACC tournament started today. Big East tournament started. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. ACC started yesterday. Big East started today. Big Ten starts today, tomorrow. Big Ten started today. So, really, uh, it's March. It's it's March, March, and uh, we have a lot to sort out. Uh, now back to the bubble. Um, one team that, uh, yeah, we talked about Rutgers. Talked about. Uh, Memphis. This is a team that ESPN lists them as on the bubble, but uh, I will be very surprised if they are left out unless you know. Can uh, one of you fact check who they play, who their first game is in their tournament? Uh, they had a huge win against a ranked Houston team uh, to close out their regular season. I think they, they swept them. They had a bu- yeah. They had a bunch of losses in the middle of the year when they were really, really beat up. And Penny Hardaway said, "Listen, like I, I'm playing like basically all freshmen because our entire team's injured." And uh, a lot of people ripped into him, a lot criticized him for that. But now this team is back. They're they're healthy. They have some of the best athletes in college basketball. Memphis plays the winner of Central Florida, South Florida. Okay, um, it's gonna be tough to leave them out. Uh, this is this is this is a good team. This is a team that who is probably would be on about an eleven line, and that is a. I, I would keep an eye on that when you're filling out your brackets. That's going to be a difficult matchup for whoever six seed plays them. Yeah, I could see them going out first round or making it to the final four. Yeah. Just because of the pure level of talent that they yeah. have. You know, they're, I don't think they're coached very well. I'm not really sold on Penny Hardaway. But they have the talent to, like, if you put it all together at the end, make that run. Like they did in the Houston game. Like, I watched the first half of that. I mean, the game was over at halftime. Houston, or uh, Memphis was up 20. Memphis just was bigger, faster, stronger team, and I was very impressed. I agree, John, that Memphis could easily go to the Final Four. Uh, I honestly might go ahead and pick them in my Final Four 
regardless of who's in the region. Like I'm that. I was that impressed with Memphis, and I don't like. I hate picking chalk. I hate people that pick chalk. Pick some freaking upsets. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Memphis. I, if they take care of business against Central Florida or South Florida, just get one win in the AC tournament, move to the semis. I really don't see any way they could be left out. But there's a way to leave no doubt, and that's go win the, win the tournament and. Honestly, with the way they're playing, I think they have to be the favorite. They're they're on the three line, and SMU's a two seed. Houston's a one seed. Davidson, is that no? Davidson's, Davidson's in the A ten. A ten, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, Memphis is uh, seem to be catching their stride at the right time, and I would look out for them when you're filling your filling out your bracket. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely hate Villanova's draw right now on ESPN because they'll get Longwood first round and they're they're solid. But assuming you win that, you get either Memphis or Ohio State, and I would pick Memphis in that matchup. That's that's a tough, that's a tough eleven seed right there, man. That's a good team. Yeah, and then if you win that, Kentucky you get, sitting. Yeah, right big there, blue right? nation. Yeah. And then who knows how we how we're gonna handle uh, yeah. Shiebwe. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, yeah. that's tough. That's, uh, yeah, 17, re- 17 points, 15 rebounds Versus for games. Eric Dixon, I don't know. That's. I love Eric Dixon, but I don't know if he can stop. That would not be fun. Let's, I, I, thinking about teams I want to avoid, and I know, like, your mentality should be that, like, you can beat anybody if you're trying to win a national championship, but, like, obviously some draws are a lot easier than others. I would not be upset if Villanova doesn't play Kentucky. <laughs> I, I would I would actually be quite happy if Villanova doesn't play Kentucky. That's a really good That's thing. That's why a two-seed could be really important. Yeah, absolutely. The Big East. Mm-hmm. Very good two-seed. But, then, like, I, I like Kansas on the one line, I'd rather play them than Kentucky. Arizona on the one line, I'd rather play them than Kentucky. I, I, it's just... Uh, I want to play, if you're talking about high seeds that I want to play, I want to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yep. Even though they probably, I mean, they will have the best player on the floor. John, John Davis, is, if it weren't for the 7'9", Oscar Sheeway, John Davis would be player of the year. Um, but How tall is he? Actually 7'9". No, I was just kidding. 7'9". <laughs> um, I want to play Kansas. I think he's 6'9". Uh, I wouldn't mind playing Duke, but oh, also... Yeah, six, nine, yeah. Something about Coach K's last run in the tournament kind of scares me. Um, I, I would enjoy retiring I do Coach K. I want to play Auburn under any circumstances. Please, don't. I honestly might just not watch that game because that would be painful. Uh, I don't want to play Baylor again. And uh, as most teams in the country are probably saying, I want to stay as far away from Gonzaga as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need, uh, again, in terms of talking about difficult matchups, I don't need a. Eric Dixon trying to guard Chet Holmgren, <laughs> even though I think I don't even though, know if you yeah. could. Chet, I, I have no this this kid. His his legs are like his legs gotta be like two inches wide. Like he he looks like he's running around on stilts, but he's still like so athletic, can shoot the ball, good rebounder, uh, can finish at the rim. But like, like he's he's he looks like he looks like Flat Stanley. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think it would have to be Dixon on Timmy and Slater. Slater. Yeah. Just Slater's got the length over Dixon, I think. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't. <laughs> that hopefully we. Have to talk about that hopefully anymore. we won't have to deal with that problem for until we're uh, in New Orleans. So, uh, if at all. Anyway. Um. Any other? What other? Uh, college basketball stuff you want to talk about because we um, we got a lot of teams to discuss. Yeah, I just want to say uh, good luck to Nicholas's Bonnies and. Title. I'm looking at the bracket right now. They're the four seed in the A10. Nick already knows this. 
honestly, he's the biggest St. Bonaventure fan ever. <laughs> <laughs> they played the winner of Sal and St. Louis. Um, so Nicholas tomorrow, already told me skipping class at two thirty. <laughs> Continuing on with the A ten. Oh my God. As much as I want the Bonnies to win from for Nicholas, uh, <laughs> I I do think Dayton is the best team in that conference and considering they are firmly on the bubble and in need of a run in the A ten tournament, I think they're going to go all the way and win it all. Davidson is the top seed, but are they lock in the in March Madness, Davidson? Davidson. I, I saw they were ranked. I think at they're yeah. I think they're in. I think they're good. So that could be a little bit of Dayton a bubble. Yeah, Dayton is currently listed uh, on the first four out. Um, but I think Dayton is going to lock up their spot by winning the A-10 tournament. And um, I don't th- I don't believe they would they would have to play in the first four if they won that. Because if so, that would be at their home arena in Dayton. But um, I'm very excited for the A-10 tournament. It's always one of my favorite conference tournaments. And, um, yeah, I just want to give my prediction that the Flyers are going to be cut down the Nets. Is UMass, are, is UMass already out? UMass? Uh, not sure. Uh, no, they're playing their first games tomorrow. <laughs> Legendary Rucker slaying UMass. I, I like them to cut down the nets in the A-10. No. Uh, and, yeah, and then you have uh, you have some interesting bubble teams there. You have, Dayton, you have VCU. VCU, too, is firmly on the bubble. Oh, yeah. So um, they would play each other in the semifinals um, where the loser is probably going to have their season ended. So that's... Uh, that's that's gonna be a good one. That's a game to watch too. That'd be on Saturday. And uh, right now, Rick Pitino's Iona Gales are playing. Their conference tournament just started. They're up uh, three minutes in the second half. They're up four on nine seed Ryder. Ryder. Yeah. So, uh, are th- that's kind of a storyline to watch. Yeah, for the I know that. that um, they made it last year. They probably should have beat Alabama uh, in a fi- oh, yeah, in the fifteen two. Are they? Uh, yeah, they're the one seed now against the yeah. So, I like to see them make it back. Um, Patino, obviously, despite all the controversies, is a really good coach, and uh, he could do some damage in March with that squad as well. Uh-huh. And then they would have the winner of the Mammoth Bench Mob team versus oh my God, uh, yeah. Niagara. So yeah. I don't know have much you, about that. Uh, John, you're a Jersey guy too. Have you ever like been to Mammoth's campus? It's, no. It's a mile from I the heard, beach. It's a, yeah. It, I heard like, it's like right on the beach. I so. like I was driving to the beach with some of my friends over the summer, and I look out my window, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Mammoth. That's Mammoth's campus. So like, but, like we were just going uh-huh. like, down by Asbury Park. Like it was like, I like I'm literally one mile from the beach. Like I could not believe How it. How far are they from Asbury? Um, it wasn't Asbury Park we were going to. God, where were we? I'm not. I'm not gonna remember where you were. It will. Yeah. Hmm. It was like, no, it was like north of Belmar, so like north of like that area. But any, this is not. This is not sports talk. Um, anyway, moving right along. Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago. The Ramblers. The back sister Jean, a hundred two years young, going back dancing again. Uh, Third year in a row. Third year. Yeah. Uh, or is it I, maybe? Well, wouldn't be third year in a row because tournament got canceled. Well, you know what I mean. But uh, three out of, three of the last four tournaments, though, for sure, because last year and then uh, when we were seniors in high school was when they made the final four. Oh yeah, you're right. So good for them. So yeah, they're uh, the Ramblers. Go Ramblers. Losing their head coach Porter Moser to Oklahoma and not missing a beat. I gotta love that. Yeah. And uh, Porter they lost their big guy. What was yeah. his name? Uh, oh. t- uh, Crotwick. Cameron Crotwick. Yeah. yeah. Frat bro. 
Yeah. There, people were, I, I remember people were like, oh, my God, this is like an, an unathletic point center. This is Jokic. I'm like, this guy has not made one three-pointer the entire year. This is not Jokic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that'll be good. Uh, I'm glad they're in. Glad Sister Jean's in. Always a Johnny delight. Storm's back and are up 26-21 just to give an update for the Vicky's. Actually? Yeah. Rats. Mm. All right. Uh, we have Colgate Navy going on right now too. That's now. Their championship. I do like the Patriot League quite a bit, so that Let's is. See. Uh, BU. Oh, it's I, up eleven. My uh, the end of the first half. Yeah, my friend uh, goes to BU, so I was watching almost that entire game against Navy. That was a really good one. Went to overtime, and then Navy just couldn't miss a shot in overtime. It was crazy. But uh, yeah, the Patriot League. I think this league is slept on. Like, in terms of tournament performance, is kind of like the Ivy League Junior. Um, where I feel like they always give their opponent a good game. It's a lot of like good academic colleges, uh, so smart players. So I think I feel like they always, I feel like they always compete really like well against the team that they draw in the tournament when they make it. But yeah, yeah. another true one big lead there. So Colgate trying to get back. I think they were in they were in last year and they almost beat Arkansas, right? I I they well, gave them a game. Fourteen seed. They had a real close one against Arkansas. Um, two games that I just want to point out are tonight in the ACC tournament, Louisville, Virginia. Uh, Virginia loses, their season is over. They need to win this game and then probably I think they're the sixth seed in the ACC, so they would play three-seeded North Carolina. Um, so for, I think if Virginia beats Louisville tonight and beats the Tar Heels tomorrow night, they have a legitimate argument to, to get in, even though their uh, resume doesn't seem as strong or they don't have you know the quality wins of some of the other bubble candidates, I do think Virginia would have a legitimate argument if they were to win the next two games. And then also, tomorrow Florida plays Auburn in the uh, SEC tournament, and those are, or not, sorry, Florida plays, um, who was the team I was thinking of? Winner would play Auburn. Florida plays, who's the other SEC team on the bubble? Uh, On the bubble? Thursday. Uh, There's like all the SEC teams. (laughs) It doesn't feel like any of the SEC teams are on the bubble. Okay. Yeah. But Florida plays Texas A&M tomorrow in the 8-9 game. So the winner of that's going to get a date with Auburn. I think, let's say, Florida beats Texas A&M, goes on and beats Auburn. Even though Florida m- missed out on a huge opportunity on Saturday to beat Kentucky, I think that would be enough yeah. for Florida to... Second, to they'd be the second time they beat Auburn this year. Yeah. And I don't know if it's necessarily the same goes for Texas A&M because I think they're a little further back, but they still are... Uh, Firmly a bubble team, so I think two wins against uh, Florida and Auburn would would also probably do it yeah. for the Aggies. Um, so I'm just really excited to see Auburn, who's I don't want to say kind of struggled down the stretch, but obviously got off to such a hot start, number one team in the country. Uh, for Auburn standards, kind of struggled down the stretch, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to see if yeah. you've got a team playing for their entire season yep. going up against Auburn, who you know is I guess playing for a one yep. seed. I, I think that'll be really entertaining. Yep. One thing to note about Auburn is they, uh, quote, only, unquote, had five games against ranked teams, and they went three and two in those games. So, um... Wait, only had... They beat Kentucky once? uh, On ESPN, it says they were only three and two against AP-ranked teams. So, uh, they lost... Let's say here. Is that ranked at the time or currently ranked? It's got... Yeah, it's ranked at the time. They lost to UConn early in in that Battle for Atlantis game, the crazy one. Hmm. Uh, they were ranked. They beat a ranked LSU team. They beat Alabama when they were ranked 24. They're, all right. 
Uh, they lost to Tennessee when they were ranked, and they beat Kentucky when they were ranked. So, yeah, 3-2 and two against ranked teams. I would have guessed that uh, obviously the SEC schedule is a grind, and like the AP rankings are not the end-all, be-all. But I would have guessed that we would have played a lot more ranked teams than that. Yeah. And they, I mean, they beat Missouri on the road by one, beat Georgia on the road by two. And I think Georgia, I know, was on a buzzer beater. I don't really remember the Missouri game. Um, but they've all they've had some very close calls. Yeah, yeah they Just have. Just got by yeah. Alabama. Um, I don't know. They only played Kentucky the one time, I think. Yeah. And Ty Ty Washington, Kentucky's second-best player, got hurt in the second half. It completely changed the momentum of the game. Um Wow, Nicholas, that is a eye-opening. I did not. I would not have thought of that, that, that Auburn only played five ranked teams all year, but that is the case. Um, I think you can only get one one seed from the. So I think the one seeds are going to be Gonzaga after last night. Yep, that's done. And yeah. then they're, they're going to be the one overall. I yep. Think. Gonzaga, Arizona are locks in my opinion. And then even I'm, if Arizona loses first game in the Pac-12 tournament, I think they've done enough. Okay. Hmm. Sorry, they. I know in the eyes of the committee they will have done enough. I don't necessarily believe they have the quality wins to afford a loss in their first game in the Pac-12 tournament to be one seed, but from every bracketology show I'm watching, it's pretty much the consensus Gonzaga and Arizona are locks at one. Then I think it comes down to the last Duke lost their chance by losing North Carolina. Wisconsin lost their chance by losing Nebraska. I think it's between... Uh, Baylor, Kansas, whoever comes out top in the Big 12, and then Auburn and Kentucky. So I think Baylor's playing some really good basketball right now. It, it, uh, they're going to be my prediction to uh, my team to go on, go on and win the Big 12 tournament. Even though I was kind of down on them a couple weeks ago just when they were dealing with a lot of injuries and suspensions, they've seemed to kind of hit their stride again. Uh, they had some two really nice wins last week over Texas and Kansas. I think Baylor's going to win the Big 12 tournament and then – I think Auburn-Kentucky, I'd like to see that game again just because first game was at Auburn. As I said, Ty Ty Washington got hurt, completely changed the complexion of the game. I'd like to see that rematch again. Um, but I think those are those have to be your 4-1 seeds. Unfortunately, I don't think winning the uh, Big East tournament, even with collapses from those last four teams I named, would be enough to propel Villanova to the one line. Mm-hmm. I... Uh... Yeah, yeah, Villanova. I think a one seed's done, especially like we we talked about early in the season. You have a bunch of those tests: UCLA, Baylor, Purdue. Not winning any of those games, and although they're obviously early season, that makes it tough. Um, yeah, holy, holy moly! Um, you ready for this stat, gentlemen? Yeah. Duke, so. the Duke Blue Devils have played two ranked teams this entire year. Kentucky and Gonzaga. Uh, let's see. They play. Let's see. I'm say yes. Yeah, the Zags. Yeah, yeah Kentucky and Gonzaga. They have not played a ranked team in the calendar year 2022. So that is, uh, first of all, just an indication of the state of the ACC. Uh, and second of all, like, it's just it. I I I can't believe that. Honestly, that's shocking to me. Um, I mean, they won both those games. They both and those are premier ranked teams. They beat like two of the best teams in the country, but. I, I don't know. You haven't played a, I don't, like you haven't played a ranked team in, in months. Yeah, that's definitely an alarming uh, stat if you're a Duke fan because you're going to be playing some ranked teams in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I want to know like what the committee really thinks about that because I I kind of disagree with you, Danny. I don't think they're completely done from being a one seed yet. I think if they win the the uh, ACC tournament, then uh, 
you know, teams like Kansas drop out, and uh, I think there's a path for them to just sneak in there at the very end. But they would need a lot of help. Like if yeah. if if Kansas or Baylor wins the Big Twelve and um, Auburn or Kentucky wins the SEC, then it's done. The four one season over. Yeah, but if probably. let's say you get a team like Tennessee that wins the SEC, yeah. you know, and then you get a team like I don't know Texas Tech or Texas that wins the Big Twelve, then mm-hmm. then I think you got a shot. Yeah. And uh, I just just want to point out real quick: there's only been three teams with seven wins against ranked opponents: Baylor, Texas Tech, and the Villanova Wildcats. Although Baylor wins over how many? Uh, seven. Sorry, I said, did I say ten? It's seven. Seven so wins against seven ranked, ranked team. teams. Yes, seven. Oh yeah, that, that's a th- these stats are obviously skewed because of, yeah, like because right the biggest now, yeah. Not being set, like Xavier at the time. Was, yeah, Xavier's ranked both times. Providence is ranked both times. Seton Hall once. Tennessee once. And then Utah well, Tennessee once. Tennessee is one of the better teams in the country. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, I'm just playing around with this. Uh, I think it's very funny. Uh, no team has played a rank, has played more than 12 ranked teams, and uh, Butler is one in 11 against ranked teams. <laughs> the poor Butler Bulldogs. I'm surprised they had one. Yeah, who was the one? I wouldn't be surprised if it was Xavier. It, it probably it, it could have been. Uh, let's 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 find yeah. out. But uh, we're getting a little off topic here, I think. One last thing, one last tournament I want to bring up is uh, mm-hmm. the Mountain West, who we were kind of following mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. So that that uh, tips off tonight with some in- insignificant teams. But then <laughs> Wyoming is right on the bubble. They're I think the yep. the second or they're I think they're the second to last or third to last team in right now on ESPN. Uh, so they've got UNLV. I don't really know much about them, but after that you would presume they have Boise State, who's the number one team in that conference mm-hmm. and a lock. And then you've got probably an interesting matchup with Colorado State and San Diego State coming up on Friday as well. So some some games to watch there. Definitely have tournament implications with seeding and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much about any of those teams, but no. they but for the Mountain West to be sending four is pretty good. Right? Uh, yeah, and uh, we're coming up time time here a little bit. But Danny, we have uh, it was Marquette by the way who they beat when they were ranked for Butler. Um, we have we haven't talked about Notre Dame at all. And they are two in the really this entire year. They're uh, they're two in the ACC. They're looking good to make the tournament. Although you would not say no to a, another win or two here to just absolutely sew that up. But uh, just really quickly, what have you seen from the Irish this year? The ACC sucks. <laughs> Notre Dame is a very veteran, experienced team. Uh, they have seven. That's right, seven seniors or fifth-year seniors on their team, including. Uh, Ivy League Player of the Year who transferred, Paul Atkinson, who was ineligible to play last year due to COVID. Um, or, not ineligible, but the whole Ivy canceled their entire season. Um, so, they've been good in close games. They've beaten all the teams for the most part that they should have, and they have one really good win over Kentucky. That's their resume. Um, honestly, they haven't made the tournament since I was a junior in high school, so just seeing their name called on Section Sunday will honestly be enough for me. I can't bet pick against my team uh, in the first round. So whoever they play in the first round, I'm going to pick them in my bracket. But if I could have my choice with a with a one or a two seed, if they are lucky enough to get to the eight or nine, I want to like, give me Kansas. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. I'll take, I'll take a shot with Bill Self. Um, but anyone else, Notre Dame just, they don't have, they, there's just something off with, it, with uh, the program the past however many seasons. They do have one of the more talented freshmen uh, in 
all college basketball and Blake Wesley, who at some point throughout the season was a projected lottery pick, but his stock has kind of dropped in, in over the past months, which is good for me. Because he'll come back to school. <laughs> um, but they, they have uh, – some really nice players in Atkinson, Goodwin, and Wesley, but then there's a lot of weak links, a lot of kind of like better versions of Chris Arch, but they're just like playing too many minutes. And just, <laughs> they, they, they lack an interior presence down low, especially on defense. They can't really defend any, any good big guy, so I think they're going to struggle uh, if they really play a good team. But that's, that's my analysis of the Irish this year. I'm happy with how they played. Had a hell of a season, and hopefully, I can see their name called in sections. I mean, uh, the the fact that we're talking about maybe leaving out the two seed in the ACC. It shows how bad the con- I mean, the ACC. Really, let me think. So, freshman year, Virginia won the national championship. Sophomore year, they weren't great because of COVID. I mean, I'm saying in conference in general. But then, like last year, like Duke and North Carolina, who've been struggling the past few years, has really been at the core of ACC plummeting. And then you get a team that won the national championship just a few short years ago. Virginia is now not even going to make the tournament. Um, Louisville, who was a perennial, you know, Final Four contender, is firing the head coach, and seems like they're in a state of turmoil. So the ACC needs a a boost, a revival, because this year was. I'm a huge fan of the ACC. This year wasn't bad. It was terrible. It was pathetic. Like, that was a joke. They have just too many horrendous basketball teams. Um, they got to do better next year. Mm-hmm. Like, Syracuse. Syracuse is a blue blood. They suck. Florida State, they were a Final Four contender all three years of our uh, in college. And this year they were terrible. So, it happens. I hope it's just a, a one-year down year yeah. and it doesn't turn into a trend. Sees yeah. In the yeah, and the Irish will get the winner of the Hokies and Clemson. and Clemson, which is going on right now with the Hokies up nine with eleven minutes left. So uh sorry before we go. Johnny's up thirteen. Oh god. <laughs> well listen, so when you make when you make predictions, sometimes you're a little crow. Yes, uh, correct. It's okay. Anyway, um we're out of time. Uh thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Talk about Selection Sunday. Talk about the tournament. Talk about all that. A lot of time on that. And hopefully, maybe, the lockout will end by then. And Because, you know, the season was just delayed again a few short hours ago. Uh, we are very competent. We are very good at our jobs. We are very smart. Uh, anyway. So, uh, for John, for Danny, this is Nick. Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. We'll catch you here, 7 o'clock, next week uh, on WXVU 891 The Roar. Thank you for listening.